0: to the Broadcast Basement On Demand Radio Network.
1: It's the podcast in the Broadcast Basement. Broadcastbasement.com.
0: Coming to you from the Windy City Slam Studios in southwest suburban Chicago... This is the Windy City Slam Podcast. Welcome, everybody. Mike Pankow here from WindyCitySlam.com and host of the Windy City Slam Podcast. And this week, we have a doozy of a guest. And for the first time, we welcome Chicago wrestling personality, WWE Network slash Peacock Megastar. He is the dastardly, the nefarious, the not well-beloved, but very much hated, Frank the Clown, will be joining us today for a lengthy, super-sized, action-packed interview coming up in just a little bit. But it was just an absolutely huge weekend in Chicago wrestling this past weekend. And the big show was the Warrior Wrestling Stadium Series this past Saturday, June the 5th. That was at Dave Matteo Field, That's the football field at Marion Catholic High School in South Suburban Chicago Heights. And it was an amazing show. Again, Principal Steve Tortorello, his partner in crime, Eric Hamilton, put together another stellar show. And let's take a run through it, shall we? Main event saw the Warrior Wrestling Lucha Championship crown for the first time in a War of Attrition match. And the winner was Alamis, or Aramis, as some people pronounce it. He ends up winning the eight-man War of Attrition. Uh, he defeats Ares in the final phase to win the championship. He is the first-ever Warrior Wrestling Lucha Champion. Great match. Also featured Chicago's Gringo Loco, um, international superstar Laredo Kid, Dragon Bane, Golden Dragon, Canis Lupus and Black Taurus, who I think this is like the maybe the third or fourth time I've seen him wrestle in person. He is an amazing talent, bigger guy, but can do all the lucha flips, all the power moves. Uh, watch out for him in Impact Wrestling as he's been there lately. But congratulations again to Aramis on winning the lucha championship for warrior wrestling. Also, huge part of that show was Kylie Ray, Chicago's very own, wrestling her first match since last fall. She came back to defend the Warrior Wrestling Women's Championship, had an outstanding ovation. The, the fans in Chicago just love her. She defeats Holiday with a crucifix pin to retain the title. And I'll tell you, she had probably the longest lines for the VIP meet and greet, and they rivaled Matt Cardona formerly known as Zack Ryder, who was making his first ever appearance at Warrior Wrestling. So Kylie Ray definitely still very, very popular with the fans, even after being away from the ring for a few months. And great performance by Kylie. And Holiday did did a great job as well. Outside the ring, Holiday, very cool, cool person. Warrior Wrestling Championship. Uh, Trey Miguel defeats Lee Moriarty in a very, very technical match. Good to see Trey defend the title, move on. I guess, will it be interesting to see who he defends against next? And that won't take place until August since he cannot make the July 17th show, which that's the same night as impact wrestling slam which is his number one priority. That's where he signed, you know, for his big company, but we'll see who emerges as the next number one contender. Perhaps we'll find out at the next warrior wrestling stadium series show, July 17th. Always ready, Matt Cardona, formerly known as Zack Ryder, like I said. He defeats Sam Adonis in a fun match. Um, great back and forth between the two. Two real pros in the ring. Uh, I love Sam Adonis's work, and it was great to see Matt Cardona for the first time on the independent scene. I seen him a couple of times wrestle for WWE. He had a little bit more freedom. I, I, I thought he was jacked. He looked great. Casey Navarro defeats Cole Radrick. And also, we had Impact Wrestling's knockout champion in a non title match, Deanna Perazzo defeating Ray Lynn by submission. And in a hell of a fight, this was awesome. Uh, two local Midwestern favorites, Jake something defeats Warhorse. And in one of the more underrated matches of the night, we had Beastman defeating Kongo Kong in a battle of the big men. And they had some really funny spots during the match. Both of the big guys, Beastman and Kongo Kong, as well as referee Dan Perch, um, really, really brought the entertainment in that match. They had a couple of football-type spots outside the ring where Perch was playing quarterback behind Beastman center, and then Beastman was trying to pass block for uh, for Perch after he snapped the imaginary ball, and then they ran all around the ring. <laughs> it's really, really a crazy, crazy deal. And that was just, it was hilarious. <laughs> and I talked to uh, referee Dan Perch after the show, and uh, he had a smile plastered a mile wide, and he, he really just enjoyed that entire experience And with the two big men uh, chasing down around the ring. But Beastman pulls out the victory in that one. And before we get to what our guest, did on the night by crashing the party. Let's run through the pre-show matches real quick. The Bang Bros, Davey Bang and August Matthews, defeat Trevor Outlaw and one-man dynasty Darius Luttrell when Bang scored the pin on Outlaw following a frog splash. All four of these guys, up-and-comers through the Freelance Wrestling Academy. and I think all four of them will be pretty big stars in the not-so-distant future. So watch out for them. Icon Lee and Prodigy... Kobe Kane. They defeat the good guys in tag team action. The good guys are Zach Hunter and Noctus. And then in the final pre show match, Impact Wrestling Sam Beal, one of Trey Miguel's um, students, one of his prodigies, he defeats the world's most huggable wrestler, Brian Castle. You got to love that tag. Good stuff from all involved in ring at Warrior Wrestling. But they also had a party crasher. And our guest, Frank the Clown, was indeed that party crasher. Recently, Steve Tortorello announced that Frank the Clown and Robert Ego Anthony were unbooked for that show. But they were welcome to buy a ticket and sit in the in stands and enjoy the action. But initially, Frank tried to barge in on his own without a ticket, got a got immediately ejected from the show. Security took him out. In fact, one of the security guards just dumped him over the ropes. We thought that'd be the last we'd see of Frank. Oh, no. Frank the Clown is a resilient little guy. He comes back. He doesn't. He brings his lawn chair, says he has a ticket purchased. Steve Tortorello comes up to him. Principal Steve ejects him. Security, again, carries him off in his lawn chair as he spews his grapes everywhere as he's being carried away. But... We'll talk about with Frank in a few minutes the amazing helicopter entrance and what happened to set up the next match for Robert Eagle Anthony at the July 17th Warrior Wrestling Show. We'll get into that with Frank the Clown in just a few minutes during our interview, so stay tuned for that. Also, tons of other local action over the weekend. I really want to talk about that as well. Pow Entertainment's. Summer explosion at Rumpel's in Twin Lakes, Wisconsin. That was also this past Saturday night, June the 5th. And congratulations to Scott Spade. He became the new POW champion, defeating Paulie Tomaselli. And in a absolutely sick street fight in the main event, Vic Capri defeats Tyler Sullivan. Basically, Capri blows fire into Sullivan's face. And then he ends up putting him through a makeshift flaming table to get the pinfall. So that was that was a feud, long time going. Grudge match, Vic Capri comes out on top. It was a crazy match. If you want to see the last couple of minutes of it, there is video on POW Entertainment's Facebook page. Go check that out. One other item from that show, BOW defeats Max Holiday, and he becomes the new POW Midwest champion. And POW also returns to action back in the Chicago area, Saturday, July the 3rd, They will be going south. They'll be at the Bridgeview Park District, and we're definitely going to talk a whole lot more about that show as we get closer. Um, In fact, we may have some guests coming up in the coming weeks to preview that POW show in Bridgeview, so stay tuned for that. Gali Lucha Libre, this past Sunday, June the 6th, in Villa Park. Aramis, man, that guy's been busy. He comes out with his Warrior Wrestling Lucha Championship, and he teams up with Arez and they defeat Gringo Loco and Golden Dragon to become the new Gali Tag Team Champions. So Aramis, busy collecting belts over the weekend, wins championships on both Saturday night and Sunday night. And also in another featured match at Gali, Laredo Kid defeats Black Taurus after Araz interfered, and that sets up Araz and Taurus for the Gali show this Sunday evening. June the 13th, and that'll be at the Berwyn Eagles Club. So check that out. That's one of the main attractions for this coming weekend, which we'll get into more of that in just a couple of minutes. Local news, Kylie Ray, who we just mentioned at from Warrior Wrestling, she has officially signed with the NWA, and she won a tag team match with Taryn Terrell during the NWA's Winter Shadows Fall pay-per-view, and that was this past Sunday, so the day right after Warrior she flew down, did that show, and Kylie and Taryn defeated Thunder Rosa and Molina in that match. So good luck to Kylie Ray as she reestablishes a national career in the NWA. And also congratulations to new Premier Pro Wrestling Champion, Chase Gosling. All right. Now we go ahead and flip to what's going on this week for local events. Zello Pro Summer of Zello begins this Thursday night. June the 10th, and that'll be at Ozinga Field in Crestwood following the Windy City Thunderbolts baseball game. The four matches that have already been announced, and I believe this probably will be it because they only go about an hour after the game. Champion GPA defends the Zello Pro Championship against high flying CJ Esparza. Then we have Laney Luck against Highon and Mr. Kate against Sky Blue in the second of two women's matches, and also. They're bringing back the Crave Case on a Pole match, which was a popular feature during the summer of Zello a couple of years ago, pre-pandemic. So that should be a fun night over in Crestwood. Chicagoland Championship Wrestling with promoter John Bullard. They do their TV taping in Michigan City, Indiana, this Saturday night, June the 12th. The show is already sold out. But if you are going, this is what some of the matches that are going to be on that card Shogun Chris Logan defends the CCW Heavyweight Championship against former Impact Wrestling star, the FroGun, D-Ray 3000. Now, there's a name from the past, from the old Impact Zone. I think, in fact, he might have been on some of those uh, classic Wednesday night pay-per-views that TNA originally had many, many years ago. Then we have the Ewok defending the Urban Honored Crown against J-Cross, and this is a match that... Really caught my eye since I really, really love some of the, the competitors in this match. Country Air, based out of the Milwaukee area, Zach Hendricks and Doc Simmons, they're teaming up with Gunner Brave against the Sin City Playboys in six-man tag team action. That match right there has a chance to steal that show. So if you're going, um, check out that six-man tag with close attention. Definitely some real talent in that match. Also this weekend C3 wrestling Saturday afternoon June the 12th at the Gene Shepherd Community Center in Hammond, Indiana and the show is called Guys versus Girls. And now this is Chris Classic Williams's promotion. He was on our show a few months ago to talk about C3. Uh this is kind of a unique show where it's all men versus women matches. Freelance and Freelance Underground did this um type of show like two and a half years ago. It was a really big success. Now C3 Wrestling is giving it a shot. Just a couple of the matches on that card. Just amazing versus Micah Madrid. And then there's Chris Classic Williams himself, a.k.a. Classic Alpha, taking on his wife, Sensational Shay. Should be a fun little event if you want to check it out. That's Saturday afternoon in Hammond. And also on the national scene, we have NXT TakeOver in your house Sunday night, June the 13th. That's live on Peacock. And in the main event, Karrion Cross defends the NXT Championship, a five-way match against Adam Cole, Bebe, Johnny Gargano, Pete Dunn, and Kyle O'Reilly. That match is 100% fire. And NXT always brings it. So I'm definitely going to be watching that show Sunday night on Peacock. All right, folks, I know I've been talking like crazy, and we're going to be talking a whole lot on this super-sized episode of Windy City Slam with our guest, Frank the Clown, coming up next. All right, Mike Pankow back on Windy City Slam podcast. And on the line, wow, if you were at Warrior Wrestling this past weekend, you know his presence, and he's Mr. Warrior Wrestling. He's a Chicago wrestling personality, WWE super fan, WWE Network slash Peacock megastar. For the first time on Windy City Slam podcast, we welcome Frank the Clown. How you doing, Frank?
1: I'm doing okay, considering that was a... It was a good intro. wasn't a great intro, but it was a good, solid intro. You hit the main points. You threw Peacock in there, which is very important because all my footage and stuff from the past is now on Peacock. So, therefore, I will accept that intro. I still can use some fine-tuning, but for now, I will happily take it.
0: All right, then. Um, this past weekend, Warrior Wrestling, you were the hot topic at that show. Man, Yeah. Uh... Steve and Eric unbooked you and Robert Ego Anthony. And I knew for sure that we'd at least see Frank the Clown. And sure enough, we did. A couple of times, you tried to crash the show. Security took you out. And then the helicopter Uh landing in the end zone. The the parade of clowns to the ring. Frank Uh the Clown strikes Warrior Wrestling. Tell me a little bit about how you uh, commandeered that helicopter.
1: Well, you know, Steve and Eric, you know, they, they have it out for me. And despite the fact that I am Mr. Warrior Wrestling, that I have made memory after memory, moment after moment at Warrior Wrestling. If you look at the annals of time with Warrior Wrestling, I believe this is the 12th or 13th show. I have it on every single one of them. And in those shows, I try to steal the show and create magic. And I don't think anybody can deny me that I have done so. I've had incredible run-ins. Sometimes it doesn't always work out for me. But, you know, people are always talking about Frank the Clown after the show. And last night was, of course, no different. I My my most grand, my my most ridiculous entrance, whatever you want to call it, of all time, since they had unbooked Rob and I, which, you know, for reasons that we won't get into, that is something that they, their prerogative, their little, uh, you know, shindy that they want to run, and do it their way so frank the clown as mr warrior wrestling does not take kindly to that so i decided to take matters into my own hands and attend the show myself now the first two times it did not work out but you know they say the third time's a charm and this time i had to go bigger and better than ever so since frank the clown is a wealthy man since frank the clown has many connections in the world i decided to hit up my helicopter contact and take a helicopter and landed directly onto the football field at Marion Catholic high school. And it is something that is, as far as I know, has never been done before at a live wrestling show. Well, someone said Ric Flair did it, you know, 30 years ago, whatever that doesn't count. Charlotte Flair did it at WrestleMania. And that was not a live landing. That was pre-taped. The shield had done in London again, A pre-tape, not live. But you know what Frank the Clown does? He does things live. He does things in the moment. So I had that pilot, a good friend of mine, circle around the field. People weren't really sure at first what was happening. People might have thought they were in danger as this helicopter was floating around the field. And I wanted to get your perspective on it as well. But we landed straight down in the end zone. I got out of the end zone. I had a couple of my clown brethren waiting for me to usher me to the ring. I strutted my way to the ring. Took over the show as only Frank the Clown can. And from there, Steve drops a bombshell on me that yes, Rob and I are booked for the next Warrior Wrestling show on July 17th. However, it will be in a face off against Lance Archer in a no holds barred match. Now, I am not wrestling. I'm going to make that clear. Frank the Clown, you cannot pay him enough to wrestle at this point. Rob will be wrestling. I will be in his corner. And yeah, the Murder hulk monster is big. He's scary. Everybody dies. Whoop de freaking do. Okay? I am Mister Warrior Wrestling. At the end of the night, everybody will be talking about myself again. They'll be talking about Robert Anthony's. He makes his miraculous return, and we will t- steal the show as we always do. So, Steve, you know, last night didn't have a great reaction to it. It caught me off guard, whatever. And I flew out in my helicopter and I went out into the beautiful Chicago night. But next time, at July seventeenth, at Warrior Wrestling, we will have some tricks up our sleeves as we always do.
0: Yeah, that helicopter was amazing, and I mean, mm-hmm. I had a feeling you had something to do with it. I really did, and <laughs> pretty amazing stuff. I know you have the resources. I know you have the connections, and i like, man, it was just an amazing moment. Um, yeah, Ric Flair reminded me of that whole Ric Flair thing.
1: Woo! Yeah, it was at at Shea Stadium, correct?
0: Uh, something like that possibly? back in the
1: day yeah yep. yeah but again frank the clown does things bigger and better so with all due respect to the nate, um this is 2021 people are talking about this right now my twitter and instagram have been blowing up um they have not stopped the footage is just rolling in and there'll be more footage as frank the clown had pre-planned all of this this is all a premeditated thing again with my clown security but i had videographers and photographers on the roof of marion catholic high school that's a legit shoot i had them all out in different areas of the field um you know i gave them the heads up as i was taking off so they had mere minutes to prepare and i cannot wait for the rest of the footage to come in because it's going to look like a movie which it should because frank the clown is a star
0: Yes, indeed. Um, you are a megastar, as they A megastar.
1: Yeah. Thank you. You corrected myself. Shame on me for not putting myself over a little bit more. <laughs>
0: so this match on July seventeenth, um, Robert Ego is a great wrestler, a longtime veteran, tough guy, probably the best shape of his life. Yes. But again, it's the Murder Hawk, Lance Archer. So what happens if he puts Rob down for just a few seconds and he starts coming after you? Are you going to have additional backup?
1: You know, potentially. May, I may or may not have. A, I always have a plan, Mike. And, I, and and beyond that plan, I have another plan. And I may even have a third plan beyond that. I am always well prepared. You've seen in the past, you know, I always am a step ahead of everybody. So this be no difference. Now, Rob is – a great wrestler, like you said, he's in the best shape of his life. He is—he is, he is just—he's massive. He—he he keeps growing. I'm like Rob, you are pushing forty years old. This isn't natural. Are you on the gas? And he's like, No, I'm not on the gas. I'm like, Okay, great. <laughs> but, um, <laughs> but, uh, but yeah. You, here's the thing, Frank the Clown is quick. Frank the Clown can scurry away if I need to. The Murder Hawk Monster is he six seven, three hundred pounds? I, I don't. He doesn't strike me as somebody that is fast. So, if he wants to chase me all around the stadium, he can do so. and Then he'll get counted out. Oh, it's no holds barred. Dang it. Well, whatever. I'll chase him all the way out of the stadium, and they'll have to stop the match and move on with the show because Principal C will be panicking that the show is not moving fast enough. So, again, that might have been a plan of mine right then and there that I just divulged and I shouldn't have. But I have... Ultimate faith in Rob, we'll put together a foolproof plan to put down the Murder Hawk monster once and for all. And, you know, maybe Jake the Snake Roberts will show up and I'll have to put him down as well. So who knows? But at the end of the night, it's going to end with people talking about Frank the Clown.
0: Now, if Jake does show up, are you afraid of snakes? Uh,
1: potentially. Um, but, you know, as Frank the Clown does not show fear, Frank the Clown will not give in to snakes or any antics. I will do what I have to do to get rid of a snake and make sure it doesn't come anywhere near me.
0: Now, um, Lance Archer, you know, even you know, if, if he can't catch you on his feet, he was a high school quarterback, and I'm sure he has a pretty big arm. So if he could pick up a football, he might be able to nail you with a football.
1: Look, he's no Matthew Stafford, the quarterback of my beloved Los Angeles Rams. He, oh, you know, it's been a long time. Lance is pushing 40 himself. He, you know, the arm might not be the same as it used to be. So, and again, I can weave, I can bob and weave through the field and and roll and, you know, if he wants to get a football and try to gun me down, he can, but uh, I'm, I'm not too sure about that. I'm not confident in his abilities or lack thereof.
0: I know you brought up Matt Stafford and the Rams. We'll definitely get into the Rams a little bit later in this interview. Um, So, you've been a part of Warrior Wrestling since its inception, which you've mentioned. Uh, That moment, though, where your girlfriend's father, Mick Foley, wanted to mess with your manhood and set you on fire. I mean, did that just put the fear of God into you?
1: So, you know, it's, it's, it's a touchy subject because that was a couple, it was about two years, a little bit. Approaching two years ago now, and for us to air that dirty laundry in the middle of a ring in front of a sold-out, jam-packed crowd, I mean, that was one of the hottest crowds I could remember. Um, it, it, wasn't, it wasn't a good night for Frank the Clown, unfortunately. Like I said, at Warrior Wrestling, I, people wind up talking about me after, but it doesn't always necessarily work out according to Frank the Clown's plan. So, yes, it, was not a, it, it definitely struck some fear into me. Um, I'm not ashamed to admit that. But since then, uh, you know, Cactus and I, are we've become very close. Uh, maybe it was something that we needed to have in the middle of that ring. Uh, I would consider Cactus one of my best friends now. I think he, uh, he is a fan of Frank the Clown. He has publicly went on record as saying that he loves what I do. Um, he has my T-shirts that are available Pro wrestling ProWrestlingTees.com slash Frank the Clown. He, uh, he is a good man. And uh, I don't know if you guys got to watch his a biography from last weekend. Uh, it was incredible. Uh, Fright the Clown is not in it, but you know, it, it is what it is. It's not about Fright the Clown, but um, for once, it's not about Fright the Clown. But yeah, <laughs> it, it was something I think we needed to have. We needed to kind of, you know, hash out our grievances with each other. And yes, he got the better part of me. I did escape before he could do any damage to my testicular area. But, um, you know, if, if Fright the Clown and Cactus ever share a ring together next another time, I think it'll be as allies rather than uh, enemies.
0: And uh, speaking of Mr. Foley, uh, Holy Foley, which is on Peacock and the WWE Network <laughs> internationally, uh, you had a little bit of a role on that show, and I can tell early on that Mick wasn't a huge fan and you had to really work hard to win him over, to, yeah. get, to take Noel's hand yeah. and all that. What was the experience like of being on that show and just trying to, you know, kind of win his approval?
1: Oh man, it was quite the experience. I mean, that was, it's been five years now. We started filming, I believe in April, 2016, which is crazy to me that it's been so long. Um, it it was reality television is interesting, you know, without getting too far behind the scenes, you know, it's, it, it doesn't necessarily always go the way you plan it to go. Um, you're, you're not really in control of your own fate on the shows, so to speak. So um yeah it was it was a really great experience I'm glad we did it if I had to do it all over again I would have maybe done things differently or tried to have done things differently the story that was kind of presented to me um was not so much reality as so much um and the payoffs that were going to maybe happen for me at the end of the season um I was led to believe one thing and Things ended up different, so you know, it wasn't my show. It's not called Holy Clown or whatever. It's Holy Foley, so I understood that I was a a secondary character on the show. Um, But I really was not supposed to be on the show as much as I was. I was actually only slated for, I think, like two episodes initially. Some things changed. I'm also good in front of a camera. Um, The producers and everything really liked me. I wound up being on eight episodes of the ten, so um, I, I worked myself into a bigger payday. But, uh, but yeah, it was it was super fun. Um, it was super frustrating at times too. there um, there's instances where you know you you don't know what's what it's gonna air, what's gonna air once it starts. You don't see a you don't see like a cut ahead of time when when it debuts on the W network at the time, that's the first time I saw it it's the first time we saw it. Mm-hmm. and you just don't know how they're gonna make you look. you don't know what's gonna hit the editing room floor. and there's so there's one funny instance where, I want to say it was like episode four or five i've only i've only watched them once through i have not watched them since um but there was an instance with um noelle and i go to her training and enzo amore shows up there as a surprise so it was actually a legitimate surprise to us we knew something was coming but we didn't know what and then he comes barging through the door and that's something they do on reality television they'll they'll put you in a scene they'll surprise you it's something to get a natural reaction out of you and then you react to that accordingly so enzo comes through the door He's doing promos with Noel. I'm sitting there ringside watching this, and I know they're gonna try to bring me in the ring. So I'm already in my head: promo, 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 promo. And I know I'm. And this was 2016, so I hadn't really done the, the indie shows yet, but I knew I could talk. So, of course, they, they he calls me into the ring, him and Cactus, and you know we're going back and forth, right? He's ragging on me. I'm go. I'm giving it right back to him. He rags on me more. I give it right back to him. And at the end of it, it almost was that Enzo was kind of speechless, and even Cactus was like Frank. Later that night, we got home. He's like Frank, I, I don't know how they're going to edit that because they didn't expect you to be go toe to toe and be as good of a talker as you were. And I'm like, well, I did. <laughs> and um, so if you go back now and watch that episode. They actually cut it to where they don't let me get a single word in. It's just him ragging on me. Then they cut to me looking like, looking like dejected and defeated. They cut back to him ragging on me more. They don't let me get one single word in because that was the narrative. Frank is a loser. Frank is a joke. Blah, blah, blah. And I get it. But the people in that room know what happened that day. The people who watched that show had no idea. So that's, just, that's reality television for you.
0: That's some great insight right there, Frank. Uh, yeah, thanks for yeah. taking us behind the uh, scenes. Yeah,
1: yeah. There's so much to that show that like people didn't see. Like They had flew my parents out there, and it was the first time my parents had ever met Noelle's parents. None of that made air. Um, that was a whole thing in itself. So there, there was a lot of cool things that didn't get to make it. And I had some individual like shooting days where I, I thought I did some of the best, funniest stuff. I knew I had to make the most out of my time that was given to me. So I'm like, these people are burying me. I need to kind of like go into business for myself here and and do my thing all of it got cut I remember I had the executive producer who was only on set for two or three days um pull me aside that day and he's like that was some of the funniest stuff I've ever seen he's like that you're natural you're great you had us dying and of course none of it makes it I'm like come on put me over give me something here but yeah the whole experience itself is cool but yeah if I had to do it all over again if it ever gets resurrected um I will be more in control of my destiny so to speak
0: and I think you've kind of earned that as well uh, through you know, years with Noelle and you know, years in independent wrestling now.
1: Yeah, yeah. It's been, it's been five years since that show. So a lot has changed. You know, at the time, Noel and I had only been really together for about two years at that point. So it hasn't been super long. Now we're pushing seven years. And I've now, you know, got a good amount of indie stuff under my belt. I've done a lot of cool stuff since then. My confidence has grown, of course. I think my following and everything has grown. Uh, my star has grown, so to speak. But, uh, but yeah, so if that ever does, you know, get resurrected and in some form, um, you know, I'll, I'll definitely be – it'll be more hands-on with me.
0: Going back to Warrior Wrestling and, and and some of the other stuff you've done, like freelance and all that, it seems like there's a commonality, but, but both you and Val Capone work for all those companies. Ugh. And you guys have had a bit of, con- of a contentious relationship Ugh. over the years. And, in fact, when she was on our podcast last year – Oh, boy, of she course. She something – she said something about wanting to kick you in the face. Yeah. So what's your uh, retort to that?
1: Well, I don't think she can get her leg up that high, first and first and foremost. Um, secondly, Val is what I would like to deem as a stupid woman. Uh, she thinks she knows it all. She thinks she's so cool that she represents all of Chicago and the Midwest with her commentary, blah, blah, blah. And, ooh, yeah, blah, blah. You look at me. I'm Val. And I I, I like roller derby. And, I love everyone. I'm so nice. No, screw that. Okay. Val Capone has had it out for Frank the clown since day one. And, and for no reason. Oh, cause I, I was mean to her a couple times. Well, sorry. I don't have time for peasants like Val Capone. So as far as I'm concerned, Val is nothing to me. She gets on commentary and will bury me at every opportunity she can get. But she's just jealous, like everybody else is jealous. They all want to be Frank to Clown. They can't. She's sitting on the sidelines watching me as I'm in the ring because I'm the star of the show. Nobody's paying to hear Val Capone talk. Nobody's paying to see Val Capone perform. But you know who they are paying to see? Frank the freaking clown.
0: Okay. Now, you have been making your imprint on a lot of organizations lately, and the latest being Zello Pro, Uh, recently in Milwaukee at WrestleFest. You came out, and now Trevor Outlaw is now a Frank the Clown guy. So how Mm -hmm. did that happen, considering the relationship you guys initially had where he accidentally shot himself in his own nuts?
1: So here's the thing about the, the promotions and independent promotions everywhere, promoters. They don't want Frank the Clown until they want Frank the Clown, until they need Frank the Clown. Everybody thinks, oh, we don't want Frank. He's, he's, he's bad to work with. He's difficult. He's, he's a mark. But then they see what Frank the Clown brings to the table, whether it's flying in on helicopters or having grand door entrances, cutting the best promos on the show because nobody on the independent scene can actually cut a good promo. It, it, then they want Frank the Clown And I love when promotions then reach out And they're like we would love to bring you in And Zello Pro was one of those For many years they were not interested in Frank the Clown They had nothing for Frank the Clown Until I decided they're going to have something For Frank the Clown And that is Trevor Outlaw with me And Trevor you know we had He in October at the Collective He had blasted himself in his nuts With one of my confetti cannons And it was embarrassing for him Not so much me. It created a viral moment. He looked like an idiot. But you know what? What he did with it after the fact is what won me over. He ran with it. He embraced it. He didn't let it deter him. And he turned it into something that he can get over with. And he is an opportunist, much like Frank the Clown. So I saw that. I respected it. He earned my respect. So then, you know, I knew he was working Zello Pro. And I thought, hey, I think I could take Trevor under my wing and take him to the next level. Trevor can talk. Trevor could work. Trevor is young. Trevor's still learning. And not to say I am, you know, the end all be all to everything, but I saw an opportunity to take somebody that I believe in that has a lot of potential, one of the highest ceilings I've seen on the independence in a very long time. And I see TV star material out of him. And Trevor has a very similar attitude as to I have. He could sometimes be a bad apple. But you know what? He calls it how he sees it. He doesn't hold back. And he speaks the truth. And people are scared of the truth, Mike. They're scared of the truth. And the truth is Trevor is a star too. And Trevor just needs some fine tuning. And that's what I'm here for. I'm going to teach him the ins and outs to become a star. Or not. He's not just going to be a good wrestler. He's not going to put on good matches. He's going to be a main event player. He's going to win championships. And it's going to be all under my tutelage. And Zello Pro is just stop number one. Who knows where we might stop next. But, yeah, Frank the Clown is going to continue to build his stable, so to speak. And it might not just end with Trevor and Rob. There, there could be more on the way. You, you just have to stay tuned because I'm continuing to branch out more and more. And now as the pandemic is, is definitely slowing down and hopefully coming to a you know a, a, an end here, um, I think you will see Frank the Clown beyond the Midwest in many different areas and with many different uh, clients, so to speak. So I, it's very exciting. 2021 should be a big year. But um, I'm very excited for Trevor and what we have to do. And I believe August 1st is the next Zello Pro show out there at Turner Hall in Milwaukee. And we will do what we do. And that is steal the show as I lead Trevor to the top and the main events of Zello Pro.
0: Now, my question is too going back to Zello real quick. And I asked Trevor this as well on our last uh, show together. There was an opportunity in that six-man ladder match where maybe okay nick brubaker is out with an injury you think maybe you could have put trevor into that spot in that point
1: well if they were going to pay trevor and myself twice perhaps we would have but you know zello pro low budget indie shindy promotion they don't necessarily have the money to book frank the clown multiple times on one show and i'm not going to subject trevor to a six-man ladder blood and guts of warfare absolutely not when he wins the title and gets his opportunity, it'll be on our terms. We're not going to go ahead and, and go on to their terms and do this six-man, bloody, stupid match where Trevor's going to get hurt unnecessarily. We'll take our time with it. We know the end is inevitable. It's going to end with Trevor having the Zello Pro Championship. So we'll, we'll bide our time and wait for the right opportunity. But that, that night wasn't it. Yeah, Trevor already had wrestled once. He was a little fatigued. We're not going to send him out there less than 100%. So that was my decision. That was my executive decision. And it was the right decision. And our time will come. We will strike when necessary.
0: Fair enough. Um, Speaking of branching out, I saw that you are now booked for ssw up in kenosha in october face your fears on october 9th and i know there's a person in particular who works for ssw by the name of jordan cross who i I think may want to get his hands on you considering what happened at warrior last year what do you got to say about that
1: well considering jordan cross is i think smaller than i am him getting his hands on me might be more difficult than he thinks uh, yeah, he, you know, we, we gave him a little beat down at warrior last year. It was a wrong place, wrong time kind of deal. He decided he wanted to step up after I had made an open challenge for a fight. He wanted to make a name for himself off the back of Frank, the clown. Well, guess what? Um, that didn't work out for him too well because he had a lot of welts on his back and on his sternum and on his chest to prove it. After we, you know, just lashed him with this kendo stick over and over. So now he wants me to come to his house. Kenosha, Wisconsin, for SSW on October 9th. And I don't know exactly what he has in store for Frank the Clown, but also he doesn't know what Frank the Clown has in store for him. Because, again, Frank the Clown is always one or two or three or ten steps ahead of the game. So I'll be there on October 9th, and whatever Jordan thinks he's going to do, little Jordan, you know, he's he, maybe he has daddy help him out or whatever it may be. It's not going to matter because I will be the biggest star to have ever set foot in that place. I don't care if Haku and the Barbarian or whoever else is on that show. Frank the Clown will take over that show. The show should be named something along Frank the Clown's name, but whatever. It's Faces of Fear. It should be Faces of Frank, Faces of Frank the Clown, but, you know, to each their own. So I will be there um, in that whatever that little dingy place that they run their shows out of the Brat Stop or whatever the heck it is. I have no idea. I've never been there before, and I hope to never be there again. But um, it'll be probably another long night for Jordan. And I'll have to embarrass him in front of his whole little family and all of his little friends and all of his little teenage TD Bopper fans. So, um, yeah, we're still a little bit of a ways away from that. So Jordan can mentally prepare for it and do all he can and and train and roll around with his dad in their little barn. But, um, yeah, it's not going to be a good night for Jordan, but it will be a great night for Frank the Clown.
0: Now, let's talk about your origin. Uh, people got to first know you as a WWE super fan at ringside for Chicago WWE events at Allstate Arena, then you started traveling to other cities and on uh, big shows and WrestleManias and stuff like that. So my question to you now is, how did the whole clown getup get started?
1: Yeah, you know, um, <laughs> so I told the story so many times, and, and I, I can't take full credit for it. Uh, one of my closest friends, his name is Dubs. I went to high school with him. He was at Warrior Wrestling last night. He's always a big supporter of me. We had tossed around the idea of trying to stand out at shows for a long time. And back at WrestleMania 24, I mean, we are talking a long time ago, um, we had thrown out a bunch of ideas. And, and in a completely joking manner, he's like, what, what if he dresses clowns? And I was like, Brilliant, let's do it. So we went on Amazon. And we bought these ridiculous outfits. We, you know, we had like the, the, maybe if you remember, I mean, we had suits, we had costumes, we had. Gloves, plastic big clown shoes, you know, noses, and we had everything. And the first event we had ever done was in Grand Rapids, Michigan in 2008. I remember the exact date, May 11, 2008, because I'm a dork. And we had drove (laughs) up to an ECW and SmackDown taping over there. The trip there in itself was a story. I ended up having a flat tire. It was a big issue in itself. It was was so hot out, I remember. We ended up making there with very little time to spare. We had front row, and it was a hit, um everybody i mean because you see two clowns that are decked out in the crowd sitting front row they're impossible to ignore and what's funny was the first person ever give us a reaction was 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 cm punk um who has now grown to be a legitimate friend of mine um and 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 we were losing our minds at the time and he was you know he gave us this look when he was posing the turnbuckle like what the hell and um from there like we had interactions batista oh god he hated us and it was just such a hit that night with not only the performers in the ring, but also the fans. And really, we only intended it to be kind of a one-time deal. And then we're like, we got to keep doing this. So then we did, you know, the State Arenas. We'd march around the State Arena before the show. And we would drive around with clown music outside the parking lot. <laughs> and um, what's funny was we used to buy, you know, seats to be right on the camera, first or second row. And we wanted to be on TV all night. WWE had caught on to this pretty quickly and would then proceed to move us to the hard cam side off camera. And it didn't sit well with us. Uh, They would take care of us in other ways because of that. But then, um, you know, from there on out, dubs had only went to the shows. He did it for maybe a year or two with me and he kind of faded out of it and grew up and I didn't grow up. So I continued (laughs) to just branch out and travel more and more. And I was going to shows 40, 50 shows a year. I was at every pay-per-view pretty much every bra that I could get to with a car or any big Raw that I deemed I should fly myself out for. Um, But again, they would always move me off camera. And uh, I would always be in what was deemed the clown seats uh, to WWE. They would be all the way at the end of the front row on the hard cam side. So you'd always see the back of my wig, but you never see much more of me than that. So they thought I was too distracting. Vince McMahon himself uh, did not want me on camera. I was one of a very short list of people that he would try to get off the camera. And this is a shoot. This is a real thing. Um, I was told by numerous people in production and, you know, it showed because again, they would move me immediately. As soon as they would see me anywhere within camera range, I was gone. I was to the clown seats. And, um, and what's funny was actually the the only, one of the few times I was not moved was I sat front row television side in Des Moines, Iowa for a raw back in 2016, or I'll get my dates to myself. 2014. No, 2013. My God. And uh, it was a <laughs> long night for Frank the Clown yesterday. You must forgive him. But uh, in 2013, I went to Des Moines, Iowa for a Raw. And Triple H opened the show with a promo talking about Daniel Bryan. And everybody loved Daniel Bryan. And he compared them liking Daniel Bryan to the fans liking Doink the Clown. Oh, he's cute. And he's fun. and But he won't last forever. He's not a main eventer. And he said, you liked Doink the Clown, didn't you? And he pointed right at me. They had shot me on camera, a tight shot, which they never, ever do. I believe Triple H had already planned out that he's going to use me in his promo, which is why they didn't move me because he opened the show. And actually, lo and behold, lo and behold that was the night that Noelle had tweeted me for the first time. She saw me on television. That was the first time we'd ever spoke, and that, the rest was history. So um, the clown thing had its, has its benefits. But, um, but yeah, it, it's, I was going to shows for years, and really like 2010, 2011 was, was my heyday which sounds crazy. That was 10 years ago. I was going to that whole run of punk, um, the whole title reign. I was there for every step of the way, every big match I was there for. And um, and yeah, I've been every WrestleMania since WrestleMania 22 in Chicago. I, uh, I've been every Royal Rumble the last probably 10 years or so, most Summer Slams, the big four pay-per-views I always made it out to. But I have a ton of wrestling chairs, the pay-per-view chairs in my yeah. garage, more than anybody should have. But, uh, but yeah, and that kind of, you know, obviously spiraled itself into me becoming an actual character in the ring. But, uh, yeah, I, I came from humble beginnings back in 2008 and now we're in 2021 and I have been painting my face and putting on a wig for 13 years. And I don't know if that's sad or awesome, but it depends on who you ask.
0: Maybe a little bit of both. Hey, I I am so glad too. uh, that was a perfect segue to my next question, which I might not even have to ask now about yeah. how you and Noel met. And you just kind of threw it in there with the Triple H promo and and the Twitter thing. See? I think
1: that's awesome. Frank the Clown is always one step ahead of you, Mike. One step ahead Absolutely. of everyone. But, uh, yeah, to even dive in, a little, dive in a little bit deeper about that, Um, I had never been to Des Moines, Iowa before. I have never been to Des Moines, Iowa after. It was just a random occurrence. And it's just one of those things where the universe lined itself up. I had a friend and almost more so an acquaintance, somebody that I have barely spoken to probably since then, who basically reached out to me and said, hey, I have an extra front row seat to draw in Des Moines. This is like two days before. She's like, do you want to go? And basically, she reached out because she knew I was within driving distance and that I was crazy enough to get in my car and go. And I was like, "Uh, yeah. So I drove out there and me and the Brock Lesnar guy, I conned him into driving out there. He, um, he didn't sit with me, he got his own thing, but I sat with, um, it was, it was my friend Val, that Val Capone Oh God, no, another <laughs> Val. Um, and we had sat front row TV side there. And again, I, I was like, I'm, we're going to get moved Val. We're going to get moved. She's like, Oh, it's fine. It's fine. And we didn't get moved. And I was like, this is really unusual. I remember saying that like, this is really weird. And then Triple H opens the show. He does this promo. They put me on television. And I'm like, that was like, I'm like, this is so weird. And of course, I like get the time I am marking out. You know, Triple H proceeds from them. Like this is awesome. Um, and you know that whole night, I am getting texts and tweets. And then I remember getting a tweet after the show. You know, it was from Noelle, and Noelle at the time did not have a following. She was 19, 18 years old. Or no, she was no, she was nineteen, and um, so she was young. She she was just the girl that was in Beyond the Mat when she was a kid. She had maybe like fifteen hundred followers on Twitter in perspective now she's like 200,000 and on Instagram she has a million so like she, she nobody knew Noel beyond just from beyond the mat um so she tweets me after the show I remember walking out of the venue there in Des Moines I look at my phone I remember looking at the tweet and she tweeted I always wondered who that clown was at WWE shows and now I know it was Frank the clown you worked that wig Frank and I looked at my phone I could tell you exactly where I was if you brought me back there, I could tell you exactly where I was I turn to Brock Lesnar guy and I say, oh, Mick Foley's daughter tweeted me. She's pretty hot. I'll reply. I mean, verbatim. That's what I said. <laughs> and I reply back to her and I say, I worked that wig for you, Noelle. I worked that wig for you. And it kind of caught fire a little Aww. bit on the internet. Yeah, I'm, I'm a smooth criminal. And it kind of caught fire on the internet a little bit. And we had proceeded to go back and forth on Twitter for a couple weeks then. Um, and we were exchanging some, I guess, flirtatious tweets. And from there, I slid into her DMs. I asked her for her number, in which she said no. She then said we should DM for a little bit on Twitter, as it's the quote-unquote in-between stage. And then it only took me about another 24 hours to then obtain her phone number. Um, And then from there, we had texted, FaceTimed, whatever, for I would say the better part of six months. Um, I had then flown out there as part of my Royal Rumble 2014 trip, which was in Pittsburgh, uh, the last appearance of CM Punk, which is a whole story in itself. Um, I went to the Raw in Cleveland the following day. And the following day after that, the Tuesday, I flew out to New York. I surprised her. I had planned it with her best friend. And, um, yeah, the, the, like I said, the rest is history. So we, um, we had read WrestleMania 30 in New Orleans, which is an incredible trip uh, after that. And then from there, we decided to give this thing a go. And uh, she has not gotten sick of me after seven years, which is uh, a testament to her. And here we are. So um, we had it's it's a crazy, crazy story. There's a lot of stops in between there. But just from where nobody has that story, nobody has that unique of a story. And when we tell it to people who aren't wrestling fans, it's kind of hard because I'm like, oh, yeah, I was dressed as a clown and she noticed me dressed as a clown and this and that but um, there's a lot of people that played a role in that triple H um, the WWE production guys, um, a man named Steve Rubin who works in WWE. He's like the, the, I don't even sell sell him short here, but he's the guy who basically is in charge of the live events as they're happening. He would be the one that would always move me off camera for that night. He did not move me off camera. Um, CM Punk. I would not have went to that show if it was not for CM Punk. He knows that. And so there, there's a lot of factors that go into it. So, um, and and here we are, seven years later, we're in we a beautiful relationship and she's great and uh, very fortunate and happy and wrestling's a weird thing. But if I had it not been for this face paint and this wig, who knows how my life would have turned out right now.
0: So in, in a way, CM Punk is kind of a matchmaker.
1: Yeah, yeah. I mean, really, he is, uh, you know, because really, I was going to shows, Cena and Punk were my two guys. If they weren't on the show, I probably wasn't going. And um, that was like right before, that was like the last Punk run that he had. and Um, you know, if Punk wasn't on that Des Moines, Iowa, raw, I wouldn't have won. I don't think John Cena was on it if I'm not mistaken, but, um, but, uh, yeah, you know, he, it weirdly is triple H is also as a part in that as well. It's probably the only thing that triple H and CM Punk have in common at this point. (laughs) Um, but, uh, (laughs) but, uh, yeah, they, uh, they contributed to the start of something very special.
0: That is a great story, Frank, and uh, this is probably going to go down as the longest uh, interview in Windy City Slam podcast history, but I'm just having so much fun with it, so we're just going to roll on for another few minutes.
1: Yeah, and I'm a, I'm a rambler. I'm very wordy. You know, Frank DeConn <laughs> loves to talk, so uh, I could talk all day.
0: All right, let's get to some uh, outside the ring stuff that I wanted to ask you. You have like this amazingly large Funko Pop collection. And <laughs> I collect pops. I've sold pops. I've bought pops. I probably still have maybe 50 or 60 pops. But you have probably thousands. And- yeah, I was
1: going to say you're only about 1,500 behind me.
0: so what do you think is your most valuable piece of your pop collection
1: so there's the funko app if you're familiar um you know it it logs values of the pops via the ebay via ebay and everything so it gives you the true value of everything so i know the true estimated valuation of my collection i will not say that over the live interview because i don't want people breaking into my home but it is pretty substantial i have one of the legitimate one of the um I would say the best, one of the best collections in the Midwest, at least Um, one of the most substantial collections in the Midwest. And that's a shoot. Um, I literally don't have room for them. I can't even, I have them in a room in my house here in Chicago and I can't walk into the room anymore. Like I literally cannot, they're blockading me from entering the room. They're just growing by the numbers. And I mean, they're everywhere at this point. They're spread out all over the place. I'm looking at, I'm in my bedroom right now. And I'm looking at ones that I was just too lazy to bring into the other room. I see like Vision from Vision and uh, Flareon from Pokemon and Dwight the, the Scranton uh, Strangler from The Office and a McNugget Pop. I have a freaking McNugget <laughs> Pop that's staring at me in my bedroom. So that says a lot about my collection. But yeah, you know, I, uh, my most valuable one. What's surprising is a lot of the WWE ones are very valuable. The older ones, especially they used to run ones that used to only be live event exclusives. So you could only get them at like a raw or SmackDown or house show. They weren't like, on the sh- yes, yeah, I have that one. Um, you know, I have, I have the, I've only missing one WWE pop, which I'll get to, but the most expensive one value wise, is actually a Hulk Hogan exclusive, which he's wearing the Hulk rule shirt. It's really not that cool. Um, but it was a live event one from probably seven years ago, eight years ago. And um, it's worth well over $1,000. Um, and a lot of these, like I have a Rey Mysterio, San Diego Comic-Con exclusive from like 2013. That's only a limited amount of pieces. The AJ Lee one, uh, CM Punk Hot Topic exclusive. The only one I'm missing is a John Cena WWE event exclusive, which he's wearing a green hat. Again, it's not that cool. It's just him wearing a different colored hat and a different like jeans or jean shorts. And um, that one's pushing 1000 bucks too. But I just, I haven't had the chance to, dogs are barking, the dogs are barking, they, they hear me talking about Funko Pops, they're like, Funko Pops! Um, but uh, this, this job, I'm stingy with what I pay for Pops, I can never justify paying that much, um, so I'll, I'll wait it out, and I'll, I'll, I'll get one at some point, but it's literally the only WWE Pop I'm missing at this point from a full collection, and that collection is very difficult to have as a whole, I, I don't know anybody else that has that full collection. So um, at some point I will get that Cena one, but man, I, I'm a big Disney geek. Uh, I'm a big pop culture guy in general and and Marvel and comics and whatnot. So, I mean, I like a little bit of everything. So every I have a ton of pops, but I everything I have, I like. It's not like I have too much random stuff that doesn't have any meaning to me. So the thing about Funko is there's something for everyone. And that's what is the – that's the draw to Funko. People are like, oh, they're like Beanie Babies. They're not like Beanie Babies. Beanie Babies were name were just – animals and random dogs and cats that had names that didn't have any connection to anybody. There's something for everyone with Funko, whether you're a wrestling fan, a Disney fan, a Marvel fan, NBA, NFL, Star movies, Wars. television, Star Wars, that's a huge one, of course. And there's something Dragon Ball Z, there's there's something for everyone, which is why it appeals to everything. And it's not gonna slow down. It continues to pick up steam. They do not stop releasing stuff, which is kind of frustrating sometimes. I'm like you're killing me. I can't, I don't have any more room, but uh, yeah, I'm going to have to get a storage unit soon here. Cause I got to, as much as it'll break my heart, I got to put some away to, and I got to properly display more in a, in a better way because I'm not doing them justice right now. They're just all over the place.
0: That's just an amazing collection. It, I mean, I have a, a ton of, action figures for wrestlers sure. myself that's sure. kind of my vice um i've sold a few of them my wife wants me to sell more <laughs> i guess we'll see what happens in the next few weeks but um yeah i that's that's one of my vices too is, is the wwe figures mostly from mattel but i've got some jacks as well yeah
1: um, i have a lot of the legend or the classic superstars i'm not a huge figure guy like I'm, I'm very selective i like kind of like weirder obscure figures and i have friends at ringside collectibles and they'll send me like care packages i'm like guys i don't have room but i will gladly take them um so like super like you know i actually have the um the aew cody and jericho the chase from series one which are worth oh, obscene amount of money right now um so like i like getting like you know early series ones or ones that are special that stand out or certain exclusives so but i do have a lot of the classic superstars jacks the mattel stuff i have it, it just depends I, I i'll pick and choose different things but um i mean they're like buried away in my like one of my like rooms here which is basically like a storage room at this point uh so i don't even know what i have uh, with the classic superstars i have a lot of them signed too from back in the day but uh yeah i i I draw the line a little bit when it comes to figures with pops i do have some rules to like not completely go out of control despite the fact that i am completely out of control but um with figures i can i can control myself
0: yeah, collectibles can just uh, just kill our wallets and kill our credit cards. Yeah, I've always
1: been a collector at heart, so um, I, I I love doing it. it. brings joy to my life.
0: And another um, passion of yours is professional sports teams. And yes, being from Chicago, I know you're a huge White Sox fan. You yes. like the Blackhawks, the Bulls too. Yep. But in the NFL, <laughs> and this is where I have a little bit of something with you. You're yeah. a Rams fan and not a Bears fan now. Tell me how and why is that?
1: Well, I mean, who actually wants to be a Bears fan? Come on. I mean, let, let's get real here. The Bears have had minimal success for a long time. Now, mind you, I, I, so I've i been a Rams fan for about 20 years. You know, I'm 30. I uh, I latched on during the Gray show on turf. So Kurt Warner, Marshall Falk, Torrey Holt, Isaac Bruce. That was my jam when I was 9, 10 years old. Um, mm-hmm. The Bears were terrible throughout the 90s. You know, yeah, they were essentially in the mid to late 90s. I mean, all the, the whole 90s, really, like Jim Kramer and uh, Cornell Stewart and, and all these terrible quarterbacks. It was just a revolving door. They weren't a fun team to watch. and But the the Rams were. The St. Louis Rams were in, in during those Super Bowl years. And as a kid who was young and impressionable, I was like, I love the Rams. Like, they're scoring 40 points a game. They're throwing the ball over the field. They have Hall of Famers all across this team, especially on offense. Um, and Kurt Warner, Orlando Pace, like I said, Marshall Falk, Isaac Bruce Holt that's five Hall of Famers on one side of the ball. Um, I, I would say that's – I don't even know if that's ever been done in, in the history before. There might be some defensive stuff, but it's hard to imagine an offense at had five Hall of Famers at once on that team. And they were just so fun to watch, and really I just latched on then early. And from that point forward, little did I know that the Rams were going to be terrible for pretty much all the 2000s. Um, they actually had the worst five-year stretch in NFL history where they went 15-65, and 65, an average of three wins – a year over the course of a five year span, but I stuck with them and I was going to games in St. Louis. I would hop in my car and drive down the morning of um, it was, you know, a quick three and a half, four hour drive. I love going down. There It was a lot of fun. Even if the teams weren't good, I still had some of the best times of my life at the Edward Jones Dome there in St. Louis. Um, mm-hmm. But then in 2016, they, they made the move to LA. People were like, what do you think about that? I'm like, honestly, it doesn't really make much of a difference to me. Like, yeah, I can't just dr- hop in my car and drive down the morning of, but you know, I like, they're probably going to be a better team in LA because players want to go to LA. Players want to play in LA. It's an attractive destination. So, and, and what do you know? Um, two years in, they hire Sean McVay, who is my the angel who was sent from the football heavens above to come down, descend <laughs> upon my life. As Rams fans had watched horrible football for so many years, we, like the Bears, had seen a revolving door of quarterbacks from anywhere from Kyle Bowler, the Jamie Martin names that people don't even know. We had Ryan Fitzpatrick in his early days. Um, You know, it it was a rough time. It was a very rough time, but I stuck with the team and it paid off. And that's the biggest thing about sports is that like the lows of the lows are awful, but they make the highs of the highs feel so much better. Um, So since the Rams have moved to LA, I've seen two NFC West championships I had watched them go to a Super Bowl, in which they didn't win, unfortunately, but I was at the game. Um, I had went to, I had been to every playoff game that the Rams had had in this McVay era. So I was there, and they won the conference title in New Orleans, which is one of the greatest sporting events. The greatest sporting event of my life. Um, whether people, that was a controversial game, um, with maybe a no-call that helped the Rams get to the Super Bowl. Uh-huh. <laughs> but um, it was, uh, hey, the game, that's football for you. So maybe we got our karma in the Super Bowl where we didn't win. I don't know. But the fact that I got that moment um, in New Orleans, it was Noelle and I who were there. It was the loudest sporting event I'd ever been to. It was nauseating. Um, it was so loud. We had such horrible headaches afterwards. Noelle's sensitive hearing as it is. She had earplugs in and was just really uncomfortable the whole game. And the game started off as a nightmare. Um, it was 13 nothing Saints in the first quarter. The Rams were clearly rattled by the noise. I was like, oh, of course this is going to happen. This is going to be a nightmare. They come back. They win it in overtime. I, I'm i not an emotional person. I am not ashamed. I cried my eyes out like a little baby. Noelle had never even seen me like that ever. Like They kicked the field goal to go to the Super Bowl. I completely broke down. It was like – because it was 20 years of being a fan and – it all culminates in that moment to like go to the Super Bowl. It was so special, and to be on the road in this hostile environment, and um, it was just super. I mean, it was just so cathartic and therapeutic to be able to have that moment. And um, it, it, to me, is the best day of my life. Um, that night, I went out with one of my buddies, Stephen Amell, um, who's also a Rams fan. We went out with him and his wife, and a couple other Rams fans. And we took to the streets of New Orleans, and we were celebrating in our Rams gear. And it, it was just a great night. And, you know, the Super Bowl is, you know, as terrible as it was, they lost. They didn't even score a touchdown. It was 13-3, to 3, one of the most boring Super Bowls of all time. Probably the worst um, one I ever remember. You know what, what was interesting is, like, it was a really good football game in terms of, like, if you like old-school, gritty defensive football and, like, a chess match – it was a good football game on the surface, but it hurts that the Rams had every opportunity being the number one offense in the NFL that year to then only score three points. And the boy genius, Sean McVay just got out coached by Bill Belichick. There's no other way around to say it. Um, he admits it, but the experience of being at the Super Bowl, and I was sitting on the Rams sideline. I was three rows off the field. Um, it, it was man, that whole week, the parties that we went to, it was one of the best weeks of my life that, and that whole month, cause I went to the divisional round game. It's the Cowboys in LA. Then we traveled out to the Conference Championship. We had went to the Royal Rumble in between, which was in Phoenix, and then we went to the Super Bowl. So it was a crazy, crazy month. But uh, I'm really looking forward to the Rams this year. I know I'm rambling. Your listeners right now are like, we don't care about the LA Rams, but uh, <laughs> but the Rams have a date Week One with the Chicago Bears uh-huh. to open SoFi Stadium. Um, I will be there without a doubt. I've been every Week One or home opener for the last I want to say eight or nine years. Uh, I would not miss the opening of SoFi, that's for sure. But the Bears fans travel well. So I know there'll be a lot of Bears fans there. And um, it will inevitably be a disappointing night for Bears fans uh, because you probably will be trotting Andy Dalton out to the field because Justin Fields might not be ready. And the Rams are the number one defense in the NFL last year. Now we've had Matthew Stafford, who I actually was a Jared Goff guy. I believed in Jared Goff, but Jared Goff was frustrating to watch. He had cost us games single-handedly. Matthew Stafford will not cost us games single-handedly, and he could do more than Jared Goff. So that's a huge upgrade as it is. That's kind of what we've been missing as a playmaker at the quarterback position. Uh, the rest of the team is, is, is Super Bowl ready. Uh, I believe they have the second-best odds to win a Super Bowl behind the Buccaneers right now in Vegas. So they believe in them. I believe in them. Um, but the Bears are in for a long night. And Andy Dalton, if he makes a pass Aaron Donald, maybe Justin Fields gets a, a call even before then. So uh, we'll see.
0: I'm hoping they just go ahead and throw Justin out there. Just throw him
1: know. out there. It's 2021. Yeah, you know, know. You, you, yeah,
0: you made the move. You moved up in the draft, Justin Fields. I mean, just go with it. He's the future quarterback. Andy Dalton's going to be here for a year. Right. And another note for you too, Frank, just to let you know, Matt Stafford has kind of been handled pretty well by the bears in the past though.
1: So I know that. Yeah. Yeah. But here's the thing. He wasn't on great teams for a very long time. His defenses on the lions were notoriously normally terrible. Um, yes, he had weapons and a, normally a good offense with Calvin Johnson or whoever else, Kenny Galladay in Detroit, but he's now with Sean McVay, and it's like the perfect match made in heaven. That's, that was Sean McVay's guy. They went out and got Stafford. That's, that was who they wanted. They didn't mind what they had to give up. It was a steep price, but you know it, they're in win-now mode. The Rams are not the team to wait around. They don't value draft picks like other teams do. They'll trade their draft picks for superstars, uh, Jalen Ramsey, um, Brandon Cooks, when they did back a couple of years ago, um, you know, they, Marcus Peters and Dominic and Sue. They're not with the team anymore, but they sold out for Super Bowls. They made it to the Super Bowl, didn't win, but it's a formula that works. Like, yeah, you might have to rebuild in five years or whatever it is when Stafford is gone. But until then, you, you got to go, you got to go for it. When you have Aaron Donald, who's the best player on the planet, the best football player on the planet, of all positions on your team. Jalen Ramsey, the best corner in the NFL, bar none. You have a great wide receiver core, Robert Woods, Cooper Cup. You had Deshaun Jackson, who hopefully could stay healthy. Uh, you have a really good offensive line, young running backs, Cam Akers. You just have a great team all around. So that quarterback position was just what was holding us back. Even though Jared Goff could win games, he, he was the weak link. So now you have a Pro Bowl quarterback who has proven himself, who we might have not have seen the best of Matthew Stafford yet. That's the thing. He's not really old. He's 32. Um, He doesn't – people say he's injury-prone. He just gets banged up. He doesn't really miss games. Um, I I just think that the Rams are going to be a real force this year. And, I I mean, I looked at the schedule. Now it's a 17-game schedule. I ran through it. Yeah, I'm biased, but I try to be objective. And I I saw a 13-win schedule. And that that should put them as the one or two seed in the NFC, which – you know, I think anything less than that's going to be a disappointment. So hopefully everyone stays healthy. Um, and I agree with you with the Bears, uh, for the Windy City listeners. You know, just just roll with the quarterback. The best way to get experience is just to be out on the field. And, yeah, you take the bumps as I they rate. come. You know, if he doesn't perform well, well, y- you live and you learn. Like, we've seen rookie quarterbacks. Justin Herbert got thrown to the fire last year for the Chargers, the, the, the ugly step, the ugly redheaded stepchild of L.A., and he killed it. It was incredible. Justin Fields was great. Joe Burrow was awesome Burrow, until yes. he got hurt. Um, and we've seen a lot of guys get thrown to the fire that, you know, Trevor Lawrence will definitely start from day one with the Jaguars. Um, not all of them work out. But, again, I actually believe in Fields. It was a great move by the Bears. I'm not a Bears hater by any means. They're just another team to me. But I'm, I'm happy for my Bears for like friends and everything that you, got, you finally got something to be excited about. It's not a quarterback carousel anymore. We're signing these stopgap guys like Nick Foles and stuff for a year and Dalton put fields out there. He's exciting. He's electric. I think that he was getting underrated going into the draft. For whatever reason, his stock fell a little bit. I don't even know why, Uh, but I think he's going to bring that electricity to the bears. I think the bears coaching staff is terrible. I think Matt Nagy bought himself and Ryan Pace bought themselves some time with the move. Hopefully, you know, it, it works out, but, um, yeah, I don't know. With the Bears this year, like they, to me, they scream a 500 team again. But, you know, it just depends how Fields does and how they handle the quarterback situation.
0: Well, hopefully they'll be a little bit better. And hopefully they realize Fields is the answer from day one. That's and my I forgot opinion. they were a
1: playoff team last year, the Bears. I was like, they, they made the playoffs. They were the seventh seed, but they were in the playoffs. They got to the dance. And um, yeah. they, they really could have gave the Saints a game there if Trubisky was, you know, halfway decent. So, uh, no. yeah, it was, it, it's disappointing for the Bears, but, um, they got a good core. I, I just think there, there's some holes that they need to fill.
0: But well, I know at least we have one thing in common, and it's a, a fandom for the other Chicago teams, especially the White Sox. They're going yes. to be right there at the end of the year. And in fact, I heard on SiriusXM the other day while I was making the rounds on the road up to Milwaukee to see my brother. Um, they're talking about there's no team in the American League that could beat the Padres in a seven-game series. I'm like, yeah, there is. You're forgetting about the one in Chicago, the White Sox, with their pitching staff.
1: Yeah, I mean, that pitching staff. I mean, Lance Lynn, as advertised, and then some uh, Lucas Giolito. He hasn't had a Giolito-type year yet, but mm-hmm. he, he's he got the stuff. Um, he'll figure it out. You know, you see flashes of it. Uh, he's been hit a little bit harder than I think he wants to be, but, you know, we we he has those starts where he goes eight strong, 10, 12 strikeouts, you know, two hits, or just a no-hitter. Um, obviously, Carlos Rodon has been – incredible. He's really probably been the main cog of the season because that fifth starter spot was such a question mark and Rodon has been so hit or miss and been tough to even get on the field for the last couple of years to see him make these adjustments. And, and he's the real deal. Like you would think right now he would maybe come back down to earth. He got hit hard, I think a little bit in one of his most recent audience, but even when he's getting hit hard, he's still having quality starts. So, you know, and, and again, you got Michael Kopech, who's incredible. Um, just waiting in the wings to be in the rotation. But the rotation itself is so good, there's not even a spot for him right now. Who are you going to take out of the rotation? If, you, got, you got Cease, who's been great. you got Rodon, who's been incredible. Keuchel, who's just super solid. Um, Giolito, obviously, was the ace. And then Lance Lynn, who's been the best pitcher on the staff and one of the best in the American League. So Kopech is like that guy out of the pen right now who can give you two, three innings and just blow you away. You got Crochet, who's blowing guys away. Um, the rest of the bullpen, like Bummer and Marshall, have been a little disappointing, but Hendricks has been awesome. And the White Sox offense, it's been – they're not hitting home runs like they were last year. But here's the thing. They're, they're in first place comfortably. I believe they have the best record in the American League. Um, and they're missing two superstars in Luis yes, Romero and are. Aloy Jimenez. So when they come back in August or September, no need to rush them. Have them for a playoff run like the Cubs the one year with Schwarber. You just yep. wait. You bring them in, and you're just going to add now, basically, you know, 60 home runs in a full season into your lineup at, at least in the middle of that lineup. Where you know on our outfield right now, we're starting Billy Hamilton, who's a fun story, but he's not an everyday starter. Liori Garcia, who's been pretty bad all year, he's not an everyday starter. They're utility guys. Um, even like you know Adam Eaton, who I'm okay with, you know, you, and Adam Angle, who hopefully will come back soon. But when you throw Alloy. And Luis Robert into that lineup in the playoffs oh, in September man. and October. Woo, 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 woo. Yeah. And with that pitching, I mean, and this is not a one year deal. We know, Mike, like this is the next five years at least. Yeah. And we knew it was coming. We hoped that these the prospects would pan out and they made the right moves in free agency and stuff too. Getting Keichel, getting Lance Lynn, getting Hendricks, um, Yasmani Grandal, like, you know they're a built to win. They're going to win world series. It's not a matter of, you know, if they will, it's a matter of how many. And, um, even last year was a little disappointing the way the season came to an end, but we all knew that they were going to take that, that leap. And it was disappointing to lose, you know, Luis and Aloy. but they haven't missed a beat still. And, uh, that's what's scary about them. They're going to be even stronger down the, down the, you know, down the home stretch.
0: Incredible conversation with Frank, the clown. And before we let you go, um, Promote your social media and any upcoming shows you'll be appearing at.
1: Yeah, absolutely. So you can find me at Frank WWE Clown on Twitter and Instagram. Um, I, I always say this in interviews. I'm trying to get it changed to just remove the WWE because I am, I'm I'm an independent clown who doesn't need no big WWE behind me. But uh, but yeah, Frank WWE Clown on Twitter and Instagram. That's where I'm most active. I'm a big Twitter guy, more so than Instagram, But um, but I'm always lurking. And uh, yeah, I got a pretty busy schedule coming up. I'll be at Warrior Wrestling on July 17th. I'll be at Zello Pro on August 1st. And here's the thing about Frank the Clown. You never know where I might turn up. Um, I got a lot of stuff kind of cooking in the kitchen. I don't like being one of those guys who's saying, like, stay tuned. But I'm going to be that guy that says stay tuned. Because like I said, Frank the Clown is going to have a big year in 2021 and moving into 2022. Because COVID really kind of hurt my momentum a little bit. Um, back at Freelance, you know, Robert Anthony and I were, were hitting on all cylinders, we were about to win that freelance championship one way or another, and we were selling out Logan Square Auditorium. And then COVID hits, so I have a gripe to pick with COVID. I have a bone to pick, and now that's coming to an end. I got to pick up right where I left off. And with Warrior, they allowed the Stadium Series, so I got to hold that momentum over the summer last year. But now I'm going to carry it over. And Frank the Clown, he gets out of bed for two things, two things only. It's main events and world championships, and I see a lot of those in my future coming up here.
0: Awesome, Frank. Thank you so much. Uh, We'll definitely have to have you back on at some point down the line to promote more shows.
1: Absolutely. Just make sure my check clears. Absolutely. Thanks, Mike.
0: That, ladies and gentlemen, was Frank the Clown. And whether you like him or you hate him, (laughs) Yeah, gotta give the guy some credit for being entertaining. He's a heat magnet. He's everywhere, but he's also taking some hits. I mean, he he gets beat up. That Joey Janela match, uh, which we didn't even talk about from last year's Warrior Wrestling, with that where he and our Robert Ego Anthony got flipped through a table as Joey Janela jumped off the goalposts at Warrior Wrestling last fall. I mean. This guy knows how to entertain, whether he's getting his butt kicked, whether he's spewing venom through the mic, you you name it. Frank the Clown is an entertaining dude, even if you don't like the guy. All right. Now, that was an action-packed show. Next week, we will preview Freelance Underground Show at Church Street Brewery in Itasca. With a special guest coming on with a Windy City Slam podcast for the very first time. He played Division I basketball at UIC about a decade ago, and now he's one of Freelance Academy's fastest rising students. Joining the show for the very first time, the one man dynasty, Darius Luttrell. See you next week, everybody.